I realized it didn't really make sense to do the out-of-context summary after you've seen the gameplay. Because it's no longer out of context for you. I'm going to tell them to you now. Are you ready for the out of context summary? <laughs> I am. This is the first time I'm ever hearing out of context before watching the gameplay. In this episode, Ethan leaves the toilet seat up. Jaden attempts to save himself by smashing his face into a mirror. And a clocksmith gets clocked. Hard. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thank you for coming back from our replay reviews. My name is Leah. And my name is Kathy. We are two friends who are here to replay, review, and analyze your favorite video games. And since Kathy has never seen the games before, it helps me view them through her fresh eyes, almost like I'm discovering them again for the first time. We hope it will be a similar experience for you. I don't know how to start now that we already did the out-of-context summary. Ethan leaving up the toilet seat. I think it's one of the things that his wife probably appreciates being single, no longer married to him. Why well, I'm not surprised by that. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> it seems that Jaden and Blake hit a dead end in their investigation, but they're soon thrown, 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 thrown. A promising new lead. So the suspect that Jaden had detained at the market with the flustered chickens. He's being interrogated by a cop, and someone tells Jaden and Blake that he has an alibi for at least three of the origami killer murders. So, he's not their guy, right? I don't think it's him. He doesn't seem like he has a grudge against young children that makes him want <laughs> to put them into a hole and let them drown. <laughs> well, hopefully most people do not. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree with you. He just seems like what he says he is. He forgot to check in with his parole officer. And he got nervous. But as this is going down, Sean Mars's mother arrives. And she asks to see Blake and tells him that a few months back, Ethan came home drenched on a rainy night around 3 a.m. And spoke about drowning. And then she says the next day another origami killer victim was found. I'm thinking that it seems like Ethan's ex-wife is implying that Ethan might have been the killer. That he was probably under some kind of mind control because his eyes were blank. I would probably think that. I mean, we've seen one of these blackouts. They're pretty damning. He shows up in the middle of a street holding an origami figure. The same kind that they find on the dead children. I think it's a fair assumption. It's not quite a leap to get there. And I think the police agree because Jaden and Blake then visit Ethan's doctor. Blake gets pretty physical with him when he doesn't want to break the confidentiality oath. But Jaden intervenes and shoves Blake, who says, I'll get you for this, Jaden. Don't worry. I will not forget. That relationship is in the toilet, right? Like, there's no salvaging this anymore. I feel like it wasn't able to be salvaged last episode or something. Yeah. <laughs> Asshole! Why don't you fuck off, Norman? Pack up and fuck off. Well, here's what I don't understand about this scene. The doctor is not wanting to say anything at all. Not with Jaden tugging on his heartstrings. Not with Blake slapping him around. But as soon as Jaden intervenes with Blake and they get mad at each other, he's like all of a sudden like, let me tell you everything. 
now that I'm not being punched anymore. Let me just spill all the beans. What the heck? Why did he just randomly start spewing off all this information? Ethan Mars has had psychological problems since his first son died. Feels responsible for his death. Sort of morbid neurosis. He is haunted by visions of drowning bodies. A few weeks ago, after one of our usual sessions, I found this on the floor. He must have fallen out of his pocket. At first I'm like, okay, he's he's good, he's HIPAA, protecting his clients and everything. And then he's like, here's this origami, that's, that's Ethan's. I'm like, whoa, okay. Right. But this doctor, are we sure that he's giving, I don't, he's not a doctor, he's a psychiatrist or something, but... Is that origami thing that he hands over from the killer, or is it from Ethan? Well, see, here's where I have a big issue with this this doctor. He tells them this stuff, which is like, okay, factual, this is stuff Ethan has said. But then he hands them the origami figure and says, it must have fallen out of Ethan's pocket during his previous visit. That's not fact. You don't know that. He didn't say, I saw it fall out of his pocket. So now he's not only breaking his oath, He's giving the police evidence, evidence. that, yeah, circum- what is it, circumstantial evidence? I, this doctor needs his license revoked for this. <laughs> I don't care. And the thing is that he could be seeing a different patient who dropped it. it it's not Ethan. It could be someone mm-hmm. else's. It could be his. For all we know, maybe he's trying to pass the hot seat to Ethan even more. But I do want to mention, <laughs> during their, their fight, Jane and Blake... I've noticed that throughout this game, Blake refers to Sean as kid or the kid. But Jaden says Sean Mars. He's more of a person. He has an identity to Jaden, but to Blake, he's just another kid. You can trust Jaden. I don't know about Blake. Mm-hmm. Does he really care as much? No, he doesn't care. And even though he like grabs the psychiatrist and says... Don't you want to, like, figure out who the killer is? So let me do my way of everything. I feel like that's just an excuse for him being violent. He seems to not truly care. It seems like maybe he just wants to solve the case and maybe get the uh, the fame that would come with that. I don't know. That's my guess. But after visiting the psychologist, Blake sounds the alarm to start a manhunt for Ethan. I think that they're just jumping to conclusions. I'm not surprised they're they're doing that to Ethan, but at the same mm-hmm. time, they should have known better when Ethan first came to them asking for help and they're just so dismissive. Yeah. So far in this video, we've had his ex-wife telling them he talks about drowning. And then we have the doctor saying that he's had psychological problems since Jason's death and is haunted by visions of drowning bodies. That is, again, fairly damning. So I do understand why they're doing this, but I feel like Blake's just a little too excited. Yeah. Based off of Ethan and what we know about him, sounds like he would fit well with, with being one of those people who could see the wall rider. You know? I, 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 yeah. He heard one of Warnicky's stories about drowning. Just like mm-hmm. Dissociative Dennis in the flood. New theory. None of this is real. Ethan is just one of Dissociative Dennis's personalities. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so in our next scene, Shelby arrives at Topgolf, where he was invited by Gordy Kramer's father. 
basically he's trying to get Shelby to stop investigating his son and first tries to buy him off and then tries threatening him when that doesn't work. This is probably what happened when Gord was first arrested, right? He bribed someone at the PD. I would have said it's Blake, but I wouldn't be surprised if someone in the PD is connected to all this stuff and is bribed. I agree. And that's why the investigation was probably dropped. How does that make you feel about Gordy as a suspect? I mean, I feel like he's a red herring. I don't, I don't think he's related to the murders. I think it's just one of those side stories to make us be overly suspicious about this and then forget about other people. We are now back to Ethan, who partakes in the third trial. So let's just get... To, he has to cut a section of his finger off. Answer Yakuza reference here. But first of all, before he gets in to the room, he says drugs are starting to wear off. And that's really sucky timing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Considering honestly. what this trial is. <laughs> but the main thing I wanted to say is this trial seems kind of tame compared to the first two. We drove against traffic for what was it, two miles? Five miles? And the second one was the tunnel. Well, glass shards and the electric mm -hmm. zaps. Those seem way worse than this to me. But those weren't permanent. Like, I mean... But threat of death is much higher in those two. That is true. I just... I feel like one is pain applied to you, and the other is you have to apply your own pain. Yeah. You just bear through it. It's not against you, but this one's like you know what's coming, and the anticipation makes things worse. But the first one, I mean, how fast are you going against traffic in a car and you have to do this? I feel like the first one is worse than this one, at least. I think this one's worse. But we have different kinds of pain tolerances. We do. You're not phased by Bigby's disgusting arm with like three <laughs> extra bends in it and the bone sticking out. you wanted to out. vomit when editing. I yeah. couldn't. I When I was playing the game, I missed the prompt to press <laughs> triangle because I was so Disgusted, trying not to look. <laughs> and this is fine to me. This is fine. Anyway, there are a few options in this dingy apartment with which to cut the tip of his finger off with. I, I think I made the right choice. The saw definitely would have been the wrong choice and the scissors. <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> I would have liked to see it, though. Maybe we'll watch it no. in the summary episode. No. It is a bit frustrating, though. That Ethan should have contacted the police because based off of this whole video thing, I don't know if it's a live stream that's recording it or if it's a video, but if it's a live stream, I would think that they'd have some kind of technology that can trace the signal back mm -hmm. to the origami killer and he probably would have saved his finger. We'll, we'll continue more on this topic in a little bit. We'll get some new information, but I agree mm -hmm. with you. Yeah. And I mean, like, Ethan's probably going to get sepsis and die before he finds his son. Hey, I washed his hand, dumped, I think, what is alcohol on it, and then cauterized the wound. And I also do want to say that the animal theme for this room, so we have butterfly for electricity. For this one, we have a lizard, and I think it's very fitting because lizards are famous for being able to regrow their limbs and to lose a tail or a leg. And so I know Ethan probably doesn't have the ability to, but maybe that was <laughs> foreshadowing something. Or it's just a really cruel joke. 
blizzard couldn't grow its tail back, but your pinky's gone. Sorry. <laughs> Moving right along, he passes the trial, gets uh, the letters and number 800. Clearly still Roosevelt. We're going to Roosevelt Street. And then we learn that Blake and Dra- Drayden? Drayden, <laughs> their ship name? <laughs> Sounds like a name of like a... <laughs> White white hippie names their son, Bladen. Oh. <laughs> Bladen, come drink your kombucha. <laughs> it's gonna get warm. Okay. Where was I? It turns out that Blake and Jaden have tracked Ethan to this building and they're waiting for him to come out so they can arrest him. But then Madison arrives and enters the building, which confuses them. It confuses me too. How'd she get here? Why? Did she follow him? How'd she know he was here? Why is she doing this? I mean, on one hand, it's great because Ethan probably would have been dead so many times had she not shown up. But at the same time, why is she always stalking him? Doesn't she have a job to go to? I know that she probably couldn't work from home or whatever, but she's all up in his business. Yeah. And she helps him escape. And as they're fleeing, she says, I'm helping a fugitive. What am I doing? Yes. Ask yourself that question half an hour ago. She's getting herself in so much trouble. She's way too deep at this point. She could have been Uh, shot, too. Oh, yeah. They very narrowly escape. If you watch my gameplay video, there's a point where (laughs) if Jaden hadn't gotten hit by a car, like his arm touches Ethan. If he hadn't gotten hit by that car and got subdued a little bit, like, they would have been caught. They are able to get to the subway, cross the train tracks, and get into a train, which is impressive considering he couldn't even stand up on his own a minute ago. But they're back to the motel, and Madison asks Ethan, are you the killer? Straight up asks him. And he tells her about the blackouts and that he thinks that he's testing himself to see if he's worthy of being Sean's father, essentially. I am now thinking a lot of different theories going on. One of them is that he talks about dreaming of the dead bodies in water. But is this before or after people started dying? Because if this is before the origami killer started killing those children, maybe it is him. But if this is after, is it one of those things where you hear something, see something, and you end up dreaming about it because it's so recent in your mind? And it doesn't Mm -hmm. really necessarily imply that he is the origami's killer. If it really is him, doesn't that mean he's setting up these trials for himself? Mm -hmm. It seems a bit far-fetched. Well, because first of all, you have these blackouts. From what we've seen, they're not all night. They're just a few hours maybe maybe more than a few but when is he planning all of this because you have to plan it and then do it Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know if it's possible and then for like the finger cutting off there's verification they see him cut his finger off so how would he set that up to be verifiable if he's not on the other side of it (laughs) if he's not two places at once I also think that going back to his original job, he's an architect. Maybe he has access to buildings that Mm. normal people won't have. And when he's under someone's mind control, maybe he's going to these places that he owns and he sets them up. 
So the clowns, are they by the wayside now? No longer a theory? Uh, no, I have a new theory, though. I don't Ooh. know if you want to hear it now. Uh, I mean, yeah, why not? Okay. So my new theory is that maybe the therapist is behind everything. Maybe the therapist isn't directly the killer, but the puppet master. I'm curious if there is a link between all the the parents of these young boys getting killed. Mm-hmm. Because it would make sense. And here's my theory is that Ethan is correct that he has schizophrenia and that's why he goes to see this therapist and this, this therapist is the one hypnotizing him and telling him planting all these crazy seeds and maybe where we end out and seeing that he's asking him to kill someone and maybe that person the Brad person has some kind of incriminating evidence and mm-hmm. with Ethan being the one being controlled the psychiatrist is never going to get in trouble and that's yeah. why he hands over the origami thing is because he plants them so he's going to have them right it explains a lot um i'm going to mm-hmm. change your theory just slightly it sounds okay. like you're thinking like he kills children of his patients mm-hmm. so i think just to change it slightly he doesn't find victims through his patients. I think he's finding his scapegoat through his patients. And I think Ethan is the one where he's like, I can pin the murders on him because he's crazy enough and I can control his mind enough to where if Mm -hmm. I catch his son, then they'll think it's him. And so I think Mm -hmm. maybe he's been waiting to find that person and he finds that in Ethan. And this theory would also explain why he... At first, was like, I'm not going to tell you anything. I took an oath to keep up appearances, right? To not be a mm-hmm. pushover and not just suspiciously blurt out all this information. But after he gets tossed around a little bit, he's like, oh, here, let me tell you this incriminating evidence on this patient of mine. By the way, look what he dropped the other day. Mm-hmm. I have a wild theory that... My favorite kind. Ethan does have schizophrenia. And because mm-hmm. of that, he imagined everything. And that's why his wife divorced him. Because of his issues. And maybe <laughs> Jason and Sean don't exist. Like he's dreaming up everything. Sorry, it's because of his issues. <laughs> Just got me. His issues in leaving the toilet seat up and drinking out of the orange yeah. carton. Mm-hmm. Grounds for divorce. So, okay. But let's, let's dive into this, this wild theory. This, the mm-hmm. children aren't real? I don't know if it's relevant that they are or aren't real. Here's my question, so. though. If, if, this, if this theory is, is to hold any water, why is she at the police station? Is this whole game from Ethan's perspective and his schizophrenic mind? Or is what we're seeing true perspective? I think it's all from Ethan's perspective. Okay. Which could explain why there's a random woman all up in his business. Yeah. (laughs) After he claims that he believes he's the killer, Madison is still trying to help him. And she asks a question we've been asking, why haven't you gone to the police? And his response is that they're definitely going to arrest him, not let him go, and he has to stay free to save his son. I get it. Is that good enough for you? Is that a good enough answer? Yeah, what's there to lose? Either you go to jail now or you go to jail later. Right. You go to jail and your son dies. You save your son, then you go to jail. 
I mean, assuming his son's still alive, I mean, like, right now, based on how slow he's going, the water's probably over Sean's head. It seems like you would die of hypothermia or just Mm -hmm. turning into such a shriveled prune that you just turn into water. Or a popsicle. But continuing on, she's still trying to insert herself, and Ethan eventually says, if you want to help me, leave. You don't know what's going to happen through the rest of this game. But I have a question for you. If she still stays involved in his life, does that mean that her goal is not to help him? If he said the way to help me is to leave? Well, he's not specific enough that leave permanently or leave for now or leave until the next location. I feel like there's still some leeway that she can respect his wishes now, but still find a way around it to continue helping him (laughs) from afar. She does leave (laughs) this time. And so Ethan opens a fourth origami that says, are you prepared to kill someone to save your son? Brad Silver. And then his address. Kill him, send a picture, get your reward. The ante is really upped for this trial. Okay, now that you didn't die from cutting your own finger off, let's try to up the game and try to start involving other players and perhaps maybe innocent people. Yeah. It goes from, like, a kitchen accident to murder. Moving on, a dejected Norman attempts to play the piano at a fancy bar-type area. He does not think that Ethan is the killer because he doesn't fit into the profile or the geolocation evidence. Uh, His uh, fancy butler man warns him at some point. You should be careful not to overindulge in you-know-what. It can be dangerous. Very dangerous. It'll end up killing you if you're not careful. So, hold on just a second here. Every other time I've seen this game, because Jaden's wearing his Ari glasses and glove, so he's in Ari right now, I thought he had it on just to be able to play the piano successfully, which, by the way, I didn't. But is this whole place Ari? Is all of this Ari? The bar, the vodka, the butler... Can Ari even come up adding another human into his world? I don't know. And here's my question. Number one, is the butler Ari? Is that what Ari is? Is that oh. like the, the virtual assistant, if you will? Second question, if this is all Ari, because he knows... Okay, here's why I think this whole place is Ari. Okay, yeah. There's no one else here. We'll see in the next few moments that he's staying at a hotel. If he's in a hotel bar right now, he's not going to be the only person there. This place doesn't seem upscale enough to have butlers like this. And the butler knows about Ari, clearly. So if this whole place is Ari, is the vodka real? Can he drink that? Maybe it's vodka in real life, but in Ari it just translates into vodka? So... But how did, but how, what? (laughs) To explain, is that, can he drink that glass of vodka that the butler brought him? I think so. Just like how in real life he's like touching documents, maybe that it's just like he's touching the vodka and therefore in his reality, when he like motions to drink it, he's actually grabbing onto the real thing and drinking it. So. You're telling me he had a glass of vodka at his desk, and then he says to Ari Butler, bring me a glass of vodka, 
and then decides I'm going to drink the vodka now because it's more fun to pretend like a butler brought it to me. I feel like you're just pointing out flaws in your own theory, so. <laughs> I don't have a theory. I'm asking. I'm confused. I think you're right about that. That is Ari, though, because what kind of hotel and location that he would be in wouldn't have people in it. But I yeah. don't know about how he can get drinks unless he's pretending to be drinking. And there's my question. Let's say we're in Ari. The vodka is an Ari-rendered thing brought by Butler Ari. Perhaps he's not physically drinking vodka, but say maybe you order vodka in Ari, and what that does is maybe release a a chemical via the glove, via the glasses into your bloodstream, and then it feels like you're getting drunk. I don't think it's that part, but I do think it's kind of like when you go to a kid's tea party and there's not actual <laughs> tea, but you pretend it anyways. You're telling me that. the FBI funded that? Because here's here's why it bothers me so much, and we're probably beating this horse to death, but I just, okay, I need there to be a reason for him to order this fake vodka if it's an Ari. So if it can still affect you and make you feel like you're drinking, okay. I get that. That's actually kind of cool in an alcohol kind of way. If that's not the case, then you're just pretending to to drink and there's nothing there. Or is the is the um is the VR so advanced that it really feels like you're drinking even if you're just miming it? I think the VR is so real that it makes you think like you're drinking it. Okay. I just need to know what the hell is up with that vodka. <laughs> Time to submit that question to yes. the creators. This is going to definitely be on our Reddit. We're going to post it in heavy rain. <laughs> is the vodka real? <laughs> so Jaden then reviews the evidence after he says goodbye to Fancy Butler Man. Here's the new evidence of importance. The killer's car was potentially caught on camera, but you can't see the driver's face. However, Norman does learn that the car was reported stolen and a suspect, Jackson Neville, a.k.a. Mad Jack, was questioned but released due to lack of evidence. Jaden notes that he's a dangerous man, but he is his only lead. Also, I'm kind of questioning, overindulging in either that blue liquid that we've seen before, or is it Ari? Or are those things like you need one to function the other? Again, just kind of curious because we don't really get clarification on what the butler is saying. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Is it the blue liquid? What is it called? Tryptocaine? Yeah. Tryptocaine? This is a question what we had previously. Mm -hmm. And it remains unanswered for me because Mm -hmm. it seems like Ari is what causes the shakes as we're calling them. I mean, after he's done Mm reviewing the evidence and he comes out of Ari, he has an insane attack of the shakes nosebleeds, walking around like a zombie. This seems like a direct result of being an Ari, right? Mm -hmm. So it seems dangerous. But then whenever he's having these shakes episodes, he tries to resist taking the trypto. Why? So are they both bad? Or is one like an antidote for the other or one is needed to in order to use Ari, like he needs to take the blue one and then he can use Ari and it can only function so long until he needs to take some more of the tryptocaine and then he 
realizes the blue stuff isn't good for him, so he tries to use Ari without the blue thing. Because it seems like it's, especially in this scene when I decide to take it, it stops this sort of morphing of realities. Mm-hmm. I think it is a medicine, essentially, for the effects that Ari causes. But it still seems like it's bad for him in some way because he resists taking it. So I think Ari is the cause and Tripto is just maybe medication with a side effect. Mm-hmm. And what made you choose to take the blue liquid? I, I yelled at you when I saw that you didn't hold out. <laughs> you did. Before we get there. Before we get there. So he comes out of it, nose is bleeding. Got a bad case of the shakes. He starts to see Ari in real life even though he's not in Ari anymore. And he says, Shit, it's, it's coming. What's coming? What is it? Just the shakes? Or is it something specific? I think it is like a bad place for him. Like everything turns dark and then it, it becomes his own fears being shown through Ari. I like it. I don't know if we have evidence to that. So far, what we've seen is it's like realities get mixed, right? Like reality Mm -hmm. and Ari become intermixed. And what that does to your brain, I don't know. But it seems like it's something not good. I decide to eventually take the tryptocaine after screaming into pillows, chugging a bottle of alcohol and smashing your face against the mirror. None of that seemed to work. (laughs) And up until now, I haven't taken any. And so I figured it's, he's probably safe from a potential overdose on this stuff. I was starting to worry. It had been a while. I was starting to worry. What if the it that's coming is something worse? And what if it could kill him? And so you could see me. I waited a while to decide whether or not to take it. It was a hard choice. But ultimately, I decided to take it because I'm not sure which one's causing the damage. What we need is a prequel that does like a whole backstory for Jaden and explains to him like who he was before he was introduced to Ari and what it is and who created it, the blue liquid. Maybe it would talk more about him conquering his overindulgence in either Ari (laughs) or the blue liquid and, and to see what happens. But I feel like we need a prequel to this. Yeah, a prequel or a sequel. Yes. What happened to all these FBI agents that were using Arya and now they're all insane mm-hmm. and yeah. <laughs> doing horrible things. And it's like, mm-hmm. what happened? I think, yeah, I want to know more about the system. It seems like they put a lot of work into building this out in the story. And I feel like we don't get to see enough. I want to know more. We're back to Shelby and Lauren. They continue their investigation. Things do end up getting a bit complicated, though. They arrive at Manfred's, a clock shop, and I guess typewriter shop. It seems like he and Shelby have some sort of a history. And we do get confirmation here from Manfred's mouth himself that Shelby was indeed with the police at some point in time. Well, then sweet old man Manfred offers some scotch. I guess, like you said, Lauren doesn't get any. Although she's very distracted by that music box, so... Yeah. They ask Manfred about the typewriter used on the envelope, and he identifies it as a Royal Five, and they ask him for a list of clients associated with that typewriter. As Manfred's asking Shelby to grab the magnifier from his desk, we also see another letter there. Is it 
just normal mail for the store? Or do you think that letter is similar to the letter the origami killer sends out? Well, I don't know. Let's take a look. It's different. Okay. It's got, like, multiple stamps all over it. Okay. So I think Manfred is safe. So Manfred goes back to get the list, but he's taking a while, so Shelby eventually goes back to check on him and finds him, most likely, uh, but fairly definitely, dead on the floor. The phone is also off the hook, and we can hear a woman's voice saying, Hello, your call has been logged, sir. A police car will be there in a few minutes. What the hell happened? And here's where I have two theories going in opposite directions. The first mm-hmm. is that whoever killed him obviously knows Manfred because he knows that right around that time all the clocks are oh yeah it should be around noon because the timestamp was 1110 and at 12 the clocks are all going off at the same time it's loud enough to cover any gunshot sounds or Manfred screaming or whatever to know that they have to know that there's so many clocks in the store and they have to have timed it right And maybe because Manfred was a friend, they decided to call the police. My other theory is that Manfred's actually Brad and Ethan killed him. And he feels bad because he's not a killer. So that's why he called the police. If it's Ethan, I I like it, but I feel like he wouldn't be that good, if you know what I mean. I don't think he's that talented, especially in his current state. Is Manfred Brad, though? That's the main question. Maybe Brad's dad? We'll keep tabs on this theory. (laughs) Anyway, they can't waste time being arrested, so they scrub their prints and leave. But I guess I forgot the door handle. So they get arrested. Doesn't end up mattering much. And honestly, it results in an interesting scene. Because as Shelby's leaving the police station, he runs into Blake. And it's clear they know each other. And then Blake says that he'll make it all go away. And that just makes me think even more that he's the one that took their bribe from Gordy Kramer's dad. He definitely doesn't seem to be the squeaky clean cop. So I wouldn't be surprised if he takes bribes or is a killer. Or is working with the killer. Towards the end, Lauren wants to keep solving this after Shelby's like, I can't take you with me anymore. She... And she pretty much is saying, like, I'm not a child and everything. Yet she then proceeds to start yanking the steering wheel and throwing a huge fit. She climbs out of the car. She just stands there with her back towards Shelby, just standing there in the rain, obviously waiting for Shelby. In front of the car. Yeah. Waiting for Shelby to to walk out of the car. I feel like that's ironic. I agree. It's, um... Not advised to yank a steering wheel whilst driving in any circumstances, but especially at night in the rain. And I also don't recommend standing in front of a running car. <laughs> but they make up. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I I can see why she's frustrated. She wants to solve the murder of her child. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, beggars can't be choosers. You can't be dictating what Shelby, who is clearly an expert into doing that and if he thinks it's dangerous and stuff it's really not up to you to say that i don't care well she pretty much does say that but i feel like (laughs) she should respect shelby for taking her this far i think the reason she's so upset is because the information on the envelope 
is what she was able to use to get him to agree to have her help him. And it's see, it feels like from her perspective, as soon as he gets the information out of that piece of evidence, he's just trying to dump her. But I'm not sure that that was his intention. I think it's literally just getting dangerous. They were just arrested for mm-hmm. <laughs> suspicion of murder. Ready for your QTE? Yeah. As a reminder, part one, it's almost 96%. And then it goes down to 8966 89.61, 84.21 was two days. Sorry, <laughs> I was really badly delivered. It went from 89.66 to 89.61 to 84.21. It was the piano. I was doing so good, and then you could you could see where the panic hit me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you though. It got me. You know, it's yeah. it's not gonna be good for my my total for the whole game, but that's to be revealed in the summary. All I can say is the trend of decline continues. <laughs> yes, this is not looking good. I was so confident in you too, so you better have stepped up your game in the next two parts what about smashing his head against the mirror were you not ready when it happened though i was like oh shit i cannot let that happen again (laughs) he's gonna die yeah it's just one of the more touchy ones um Mm -hmm. but it did catch me off guard because i was just expecting him to be looking in the mirror Mm -hmm. and then it's like oh just kidding he's trying to subconsciously kill himself by smacking his face (laughs) he hit that thing so hard he cracked the mirror yeah, He's not he getting did. his deposit back on that hotel room. I was going to say, what if it's all part of Ari? But no, let's not go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> We've talked about it enough. I, mm-hmm. There's no answer right now. The vodka is haunting me. Oh, man. Anything else for you? No, I think that's all. That was part four. Yeah. With a with bunch of wild theories this, this episode. And some good ones. Some good theories. I will count us off. Let's do Audacity on one. Three, two, one. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to send in any questions, comments, or game suggestions. You can find all our contact info on our website, replayreviewspod.com, or contact us directly through our site. Did we completely miss something? Are we way off the mark? Or do you just want us to take a deeper look at anything from the game? We'll tackle any topics you all want to hear in our season wrap-up episode. We also have a Reddit where we discuss anything we're curious about, Go take a look and let us know what you're thinking. Our theme music is Condemned by Eggy Toast. They'll play you out, and we'll be back next week.